This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And it is a challenging afternoon out there for uh, anyone who happens to be out and about on the roads on the Northeast Avalon and uh, on the West Coast in Corner Brook region. Uh, snow squalls are the order of the day on the east and west coasts. And, uh, you know, Claudette, I almost wish we had, you know, a full-on snowstorm rather than these snow squalls because one moment everything appears to be fine and the next moment you can't see your hand in front of your face. Very frightening when you're on the road. It is too, but it's, and it's also a bit deceiving. I remember going out in my lunch hour, I'm like, what? There's nothing to this. So I get out into my car and I'm like, Oh no! Oh no! Uh-oh. Oh no! Because it's, it's challenging. Like as soon as it happens, it's, it just it's just spur of the moment. And this Crazy. is where we're seeing a lot of the accidents today. Yeah. Is on these on and off ramps. You know, people are taking the turn, and all of a sudden, what? Where is the turn? Where yeah. is the road? Yeah. Um, uh, also, seeing it at intersections where people are turning into traffic, and all of a sudden, their view is completely obscured. It is challenging really challenging so if you don't i mean it's hard to say that now because i mean absolutely everything was open so Mm -hmm. people have to get home Uh, but uh, if you don't need to be out and about it is not fit and it's challenging too in the sense that you know my normal advice would be to go on the lower roads the roads that have less kilometers but then you're going for instance if you're passing ponds they have the open areas and that's just kind of be just as dangerous so it's i don't know which one would be better when you think about it took a call just before uh the newscast and passed that information on to you but i took a call from a woman who just witnessed an accident you could tell she had just seen it so she's you could hear that inner inner voice you know and she said it's here by the pond ken's pond the wind's coming across can't see a thing can't see a thing yeah, I mean, that's frightening. Yeah, so you think about on the highway now, up in the higher elevations and around Patty's Pond, and as oh, you're getting yeah. in behind Holyrood there. We had a call about yeah. Patty's Pond just saying that the snow was coming at you in all directions, that it, you just couldn't see a thing as it, as it would whisk over Patty's Pond and onto the highway. Yeah, so please uh, use caution out there. I mean, there's not a lot you can do in those kinds of circumstances except keep your speeds down. Yeah. And so lights l- on. People have been calling about that. And your lights yeah. on. A lot of people calling us about that on a know you've been playing some of those calls uh, throughout the course of the afternoon just as a friendly reminder to people you know you have your automatic lights but just make sure that your automatic lights include those rear lights because if you're coming up on somebody honest to goodness you will not know they're there in some of these snow squalls so uh, we reached out to the environment canada weather office for a little update on the situation as it is right now and uh, environment canada meteorologist jim prime joins me now Good afternoon, Jim. Good afternoon. So these snow squalls now uh, affecting the uh, St. John's metro region, northeast Avalon, and uh, the Corner Brook area right now, causing some real havoc. What are we seeing out there? Yeah, so this is all due to the low pressure system that's to our north, and so we're under a westerly, uh, somewhat northwesterly uh, when you're getting towards the north part of the province, and then southwesterly in the southern parts and eastern parts of the province um, with with the wind direction, and really that's just scooping up moisture from the Gulf of St. Lawrence and, and the ocean and uh, creating these snow squalls, which can really uh, be v- very variable in their uh, locality of, of where the highest snowfall amounts are and, and where the band 
demand set up. And uh, as you were saying, there are some areas like Cornerbrook who have been under a really intense band of these snow squalls for several hours now. Uh, several parts of the peninsula also uh, are seeing some of these heavier bands. And just looking at the radar, we're seeing in some areas two to three centimeters per hour. So when these bands set up, uh, that can really give high accumulations in certain areas. Yes, and I understand that Corner Brook in particular is in the 30 to 50 centimeter range by the time all this ends. Is that correct? Yeah, these conditions are going to continue uh, through this evening, through Friday, and, and probably into the early parts of Saturday uh, when then we start to see that low moving away and the wind direction change. So some areas on the west coast uh, could be over 50 centimeters, especially with the higher terrain. Uh, for the eastern parts of the province, probably more around 30 centimeters for the highest amounts. Uh, but we'll just have to see because, uh, you know, we do have a very open Gulf of St. Lawrence. We did have some warmer than average temperatures in December, and so we're really just starting to get that cold air now which is cooling down uh that the water temperatures we don't have a lot of ice formation uh as what would be average for this time of year uh and so really this is just setting up a, a an ability for that moisture just to go right up into the atmosphere and it just rings it right out over the the terrain and winds are high too yeah, we do have a wind warning out uh, for the west coast and also for the peninsula. Uh, areas along the coast could see uh, this in towards this evening. The winds are still increasing uh, 80 kilometers an hour with gusts up to 100. Uh, and that is possible also for the east coast of the province. Uh, in towards probably later on, on Friday evening and towards Saturday, again, the winds will be shifting and decreasing. Um, so with the fresh snow and, and the increased winds, that can also create blowing snow conditions. So a lot really, uh, you know, snow from the sky and also those blowing snow conditions can really reduce visibilities uh, and because it really is local you might be driving down the road and everything looks fine and then as soon as you hit one of these squalls or an area that's more exposed your visibility could be down to zero very very quickly so dangerous conditions out there are very important to know what the forecast is and you can find the information about radar uh, on our website to really track where these bands are. And you can really see it. It's quite delineated. It's quite obvious what's what's going on when you see the radar uh, images. And it's really dangerous out there, folks. A lot uh, getting a lot of reports of uh, crashes as a result of this reduced visibility and slippery conditions. Uh, Jim Prime, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And of course, the the challenge here, Claudette, isn't it? It's it, snow clearing. I was talking to the city of Corner Brook just a short while ago, and they say their crews are out in force right now. But when you have this snow blowing around, um, and not only just the snow that's falling from the sky, as Jim Prime just indicated, but also the stuff that's just fallen blowing around, that's almost impossible to clear off the roads. It's a steady, <laughs> you know, diet of, of snow. So um, very challenging indeed. And I understand that uh, driving conditions in and around uh, these affected areas, uh, there's a lot of areas that they're advising people to stay off. Yeah, and this is uh, the latest update just as of about five minutes ago. Um, this is according to the uh, road conditions list that's provided by 511. Uh, travel is not recommended on these particular roads. So the Torbay Bypass Road from Torbay to Flat Rock, also from on Portugal Cove Road from Windsor Lake to Beachy Cove Road, travel is not recommended not recommended on beachy cove road uh, from that road to st thomas's line and uh, not recommended to travel thorburn road from the st john city limits to st thomas's line right now and that's due to the slushy patches the drifting snow and the poor visibility oh poor visibility imagine now in around windsor lake Woof! i can babel's I big pond Woof! 
and you know people coming from the airport I'm just thinking you know just really hope that uh, people can stay where they are until some of this passes sort of like what because I remember the newsroom talking about uh, what's happening with the schools as well over in Corner Brook they kind of just got a wait and see atmosphere um, waiting for the conditions to improve so the kids can go so that's basically what we all have to do and we're still looking for an update on that by the right. way uh, NL schools we put in a request to them to get an update on the situation mm-hmm. there because it is really bad in the Corner Brook area right now. Uh, not only is it uh, reduced condi- uh, uh, visibility and blowing snow and the like, it's also incredibly slippery, we're told. So um, we are awaiting, I, you know, those kids might be home safe and sound listening to us right. now. I don't know that yet. We ha- still have to get a uh, update on that. So our newsroom is watching that very closely and we'll give you an update on that situation there as soon as we uh, find out. Uh, Claudette, uh, going to get you to do a little homework now when we go into the commercial break. Um, if um, 511 has any updates on road conditions on the West Coast, let us know. Um, but it is not good out there. In the meantime, when we come back, uh, we'll give you a little update on that and we'll uh, give you an update on a meeting between the uh, president of the FFAW and Federal Fisheries Minister Diane Le Boutelier, uh, who paid a visit to the um, a province earlier in the week, coming up right after this. This is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And yes, indeed, uh, areas outside the St. John's metro area, particularly as you head towards uh, Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, um, uh, Pooch Cove, those areas, uh, travel not recommended on those highways. Also, on the Bayvert Peninsula, the uh, Corner Brook area, the Burgio Highway, Bond Bay, and in around uh, Channel Portabasque, uh, as well as um, a portion of uh, uh, the uh, Port of Port Peninsula in around uh, Lower Cove, DeGraw. So, uh, uh, some of the areas of the province that right now they're recommending that you uh, you not travel out on those roads. Yeah, there's a number. Oh, of it's bad everywhere, especially uh, as you mentioned earlier on in the uh, Corner Brook area, Corner Brook to Galance on the highway, for instance, travel is not recommended, and the Lewins Parkway as well. Yeah, and of course, Lewins Parkway, if you've ever been up around there, you know, very exposed in many areas. So, it, you know, it, it, it absolutely checks out, as they say. So please, if you don't need to be out and around, and in fact, uh, officials with the city of Corner Brook are asking people who don't need to be out to to stay at home and stay put. Well, Federal Fisheries Minister Diane Laboutlier paid a visit to the province this week. Among the items on her agenda was a face-to-face meeting with the FFAW. Union President Greg Pretty joins me now. Well, Greg Pretty, uh, the federal minister, was in town this week. I understand you had an opportunity to sit down with her and uh, pick her brain on a number of issues. Uh, what came up? Well, it was uh, actually a good meeting. We had some of our uh, uh, crab uh, people. We had uh, shrimp representatives from the shrimp fleet in the Gulf and some of her staff. We had a, a good meeting with the minister and a couple of her staff, including William McGillivray from uh, DFO St. John's. It was a good. Uh, it was a good meeting. I had a. I had a small uh, uh, list of very important items. We started off with the uh, with the cod, uh, taking the cod uh, to their credit, taking the cod from uh, from the critical zone uh, out of that, and uh, looking forward to to meetings with DFO uh, in March on that. But you know, congratulations to their science and our science department uh, for moving this along and. Uh, uh, we had to impress upon the minister that uh, 
you know, her uh, her leader, uh, the, the prime minister, has uh, in essence guaranteed us 115,000 tons as that stock uh, quota uh, recovers. So we had a reminder of that, and uh, and we're looking forward to you know good things in COD uh, 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 in 2024. Now, what are some of the other uh, major issues on your agenda? Well. In no particular order, uh, the uh, the next item was the Gulf Shrimp Fleet. Uh, they've been hard hit by uh, by uh, by shrimp. Um, we think it's uh, global warming issues that are affecting it here. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in the last uh, year, well, since I've been president, uh, on that issue to ensure that uh, the Northern Peninsula and other Gulf harvesters have a future in this uh, in in the fishery. So presently, we're looking at a buyout. We've uh, we've tabled a buyout with the with the FO uh, back in December. Uh, there seems to be some uptake on that from from federal officials and provincial in New Brunswick, Quebec, uh, and Newfoundland. So we're hopeful uh, we can make some progress on that. It's an interesting uh, problem to have in the Gulf, uh, Linda, as uh, as the shrimp declines in, in biomass, it's being replaced by uh, redfish. And uh, to that point, we're advocating that uh, allocations be made uh, to traditional users. Uh, it's a, I know it's an, order, it's an issue of contention uh, with other provinces, particularly Nova Scotia, but we're advocating that... Uh, the Gulf, uh, our Gulf harvesters, and our communities have the benefit from that massive uh, redfish resource. And to that end, uh, she understands that. One thing about this minister is uh, she was a former uh, social worker, and she understands the importance of the uh, fish economy to, to Atlantic Canada and Newfoundland. So that's very refreshing to hear. Uh, so that when harvesters speak to her about that uh, redfish biomass, she gets it. And uh, so to that point, uh, I think by uh, by the end of this month, uh, DFO uh, will make some uh, decisions regarding quota for that redfish. And that'll, that will be that should be very good news for for this province. Now, uh, we've spoken about this before. Uh, your relationship with the former minister was a little more contentious. How are you feeling about uh, this particular minister and, and your recent meetings? Well, she's from Quebec. She's from the Gaspé. And uh, it's incredible. She under, she understands, like, for example, she understands the seal industry. We don't have to sit down and talk to her or try to educate her on seals because she's, she's, she, she's living it. And, uh, and to that end, she understands shrimp and redfish in the Gulf. So that's pretty refreshing to have a, to have a minister that has a handle on, uh, on the resources and the problems uh, arising. Uh, good and bad from uh, from the fishery, so you know we are we are looking forward to to better things, a better relationship with the uh, with the department as we move through. We got a lot of, a lot of big issues to talk about. The other one we we spoke about, <clears throat> which is um, a big one for us, is the, is the mackerel fishery. You know we have observations uh, from harvesters that are extremely important. Uh, that up to now, or up to the last minister, have been pretty well ignored. But it's important for our rural communities and our harvesters that we have, that there's a resource there and that we're able to catch and utilize that resource for the benefit of the province. She gets that. 
And uh, while I didn't get a commitment on uh, on macro, like we're willing to work with the department on that if if they want if the department wants to accept that the, our evidence as to what we're seeing in the waters, and that's pretty substantial. So you know she's keyed into that one. So that's important as we uh, as we move through also. But she has a pretty good uh, handle on, on things, and you know our uh, our harvesters and our committees and councils are looking forward to. Uh, to some good things happening in 2024. Greg Pretty, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome, Linda, anytime. Cheers. And Greg Pretty, of course, is the uh, president of the FFAW. Well, to say that parents are ticked off uh, in the Corner Brook region uh, is an understatement. Uh, We received this email from a listener in the area who says um, they were informed of the uh, school closures on the West Coast early this afternoon uh, due to what the uh, school district called unanticipated change in the weather forecast which brought high winds, snow squalls, low visibility and unsafe conditions to the Cornerbrook area uh, over the course of this afternoon. Uh, NL Schools says, we understand highway officials currently recommending people avoid travel on the roadways. The administration and NL School staff are monitoring weather and road conditions. At this time, it is not safe for stu- schools to engage our buses to do the afternoon run home, and we therefore be- believe that on-time dismissal is highly unlikely. Please know your students are safe and secure at the school where we will ensure their continued safety until the weather passes and we are able to have buses bring students home. There may be a window later this afternoon, according to NL Schools, where we will be able to complete the bus runs home and we will update families as soon as possible. Well, we have some uh, parents in the Cornerbrook region who are willing to talk to us about that and how the whole situation was uh, handled. I know um, in this uh, email correspondence sent to us earlier today, uh, at least one One person says uh, for the NL schools to suggest that the weather was um, uh, that's affecting Corner Brook right now was unanticipated is not true. It was well known uh, and in the forecast at the time. So um, uh, there are some questions about whether or not uh, the right decision was made to open schools in that general area to begin with. And again, we have not received any official word from NL schools as of right now as to whether or not the kids have actually had an opportunity to be sent home on the buses or whether parents had to get out on the road and head up to the schools in these kinds of conditions uh, to get their students. So uh, again, I'm only speculating on the air. This could all be uh, resolved right now, but as of right now, we have not received any formal word. If anyone has uh, heard anything formally, we would welcome them to give us a call. And I understand that uh, a parent is willing to come on with us uh, immediately after the news at 4.30 to give us a little update. Uh, What's it like in your area? Please be careful out there. There, uh, numerous accidents being reported uh, throughout the, the metro region and um, anywhere where these snow squalls are affecting people. Um, and uh, some of the trouble spots, of course, in and around metro are on those on and off ramps and uh, in intersections when those winds blow through and the snow is either churned up from the ground or flying around anyway. Um, visibility is just suddenly zero zero yeah if you've been in your office all day and haven't had an opportunity to look out the window yeah boy i I went out at lunchtime and like i said i thought it was okay i was like what is everybody talking about and then all of a sudden one hit and i thought wow 
wow, this, this is pretty strong. I noticed uh, some folks talking about the Topsail Road Columbus Drive intersection right now that uh, traffic is at a standstill due to uh, an accident. So you're going to find that I think just about any way you have to get home, um, I would suspect everybody's going slow, which is they have to yeah um, use patience yeah. you'll get there uh you're only going home uh so you know you want your loving family or your puppy dog or whoever to greet you at the door with smiles on their faces so uh yeah just take your time you'll get home safely um and i did notice myself when i was out and around earlier today and in among the snow swells and that that traffic was considerably slower but it was more of a cautious slow as opposed to a delay slow if oh, you know yeah. what i mean yeah i do know what you mean uh, everybody was sort of driving to the conditions in the area I was in at the time. So uh, keep those simple rules uh, in mind as you're heading home because it is not a nice evening. Uh, and we'll hear more from a parent in Corner Brook when we come back right after this. This is News Talk on VOCN. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And it's a nasty day out there both on the east and west coasts this afternoon. And uh, Corner Brook has uh, really seen the brunt of uh, these snow squalls. A pretty intense band that's just sitting there. And um, uh, we have uh, Angela Brockway on the line. Hello, Angela. Hi there. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good. So we're starting to hear from parents now not too happy with the way uh, that uh, school closures were handled in the Corner Brook area, or should I say school openings, uh, because uh, this weather sort of hits during the course of the school day and a lot of kids left in, in school as a result. Yeah, that's right. So the situation for kids, I mean, of course, it's, it varies with your situation, but basically they got to school in reasonable weather, I guess. But by lunchtime, I mean, we've watched the weather deteriorate all morning. And by lunchtime, I was certain that the schools would be closed, but no, that wasn't the case. Instead, we actually got an email from the school board stating that the schools will be staying open later uh, to accommodate the fact that the buses would not be running. So I think there's, there was definitely a lot of frustration with parents in that situation. Um, I know there are currently some students that are stuck at schools. I don't even know if they're going to get home this evening. Uh, do you have kids in the system right now? I do. I have two high school students. We've been fortunate. They're home with me right now, so we're tucked away safely. But, you know, I have a number of friends and family who have kids that are either at school or some who are teachers that are stuck at school. So what, how do you, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the way this was handled? Well, I think that we all know that there have been times when school's been canceled and the sun was out and it was a beautiful day and we all kind of laughed about it. But realistically, this is about safety and caring for our students and for the staff as well. So when we know that we're expecting inclement weather like this, which we all know, we've been seeing the warnings all week, I think, you know, our school board has a responsibility to take that seriously. And I feel that wasn't taken seriously today. And I'm also very dis- disappointed in the way that this was communicated to parents uh, in an email stating that this was unforeseen or unprecedented. I mean, it was quite insulting. Has it happened before? 
I haven't seen this happen before. Um, in fact, I've seen school close early because of inclement weather, and, and that has its challenges as well. But I've never seen a time where buses just stopped running and students were stuck at school. So what's it look like out there now? So right now I'm just looking at my window and I can't even see across the street. So I don't know what that looks like for a bus who's potentially going to be running a little later this evening. If there are students left at school right now, it's because they don't live directly in the city. They live just outside. They've got to do some highway travel to get there. I really don't know how buses are going to run in this weather. So this leaves people in a real predicament today. Yeah, and uh, anybody who's been to Corner Brook knows the hills, the twists, the turns. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a nice uh, kind of uh, terrain to try and get around, especially when you can't see where you're going. That's right. And even when I did leave my house to go pick my kids up from school, it was it was so bad that most people had their um, their emergency blinkers on. And I mean, everybody was going quite slow, but people were just slipping and sliding all over the roads. It's just nasty out there. And I think the reasonable thing to do in this situation is just let people go home and accommodate students and staff that need to get there safely. So your understanding is that some kids could still possibly be in school right now? Yeah, that's right. So I don't know for certain. I'm not there right now in the building, but I do know that that was the plan that was communicated to families uh, for students just to stay put for now and that buses would run later on this evening. But like I said, I'm really unsure whether or not that's going to happen. It's really nasty out there right now. So I do know there have been several teachers who have reached out to schools to say, you know, if there's something that they can do. Uh, in terms of providing food or comfort in any way, you know, they're more than willing to do that. But the fact that students and staff are in the situation where they would require that is completely unnecessary. And I think that our school board needs some, they need to be held accountable for this. Yeah, Yeah, we're getting uh, people messaging us saying, you know, there's children in elementary schools right now and the poor little ones are crying and wondering what's going on. They just want to go home. Yeah, of course they are. This isn't normal. And realistically, if this was called earlier today, when the roads were reasonable and it was okay for travel, people could have easily made arrangements. We do. We figure it out. But they left it so late that it put people in a really bad situation. And now look what's happening. It's totally unnecessary. So your message to NL schools right now? You know, our our schools are really focused on being safe and caring places. Uh, today is not a day where I feel that our family or my friends and their families are feeling safe and cared for. Very disappointed in the way that this was handled. And I think that more thought needs to be given to the fact that life is very complex for people. And we need to be less focused on how things might look to people by having the school closed. <laughs> Um, Angela Brockway, I I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Anyone else in the Cornerbrook area similarly affected? I'd love to hear from them this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a good evening. You too. And hopefully those kitties get home soon. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Your thoughts on that? You're welcome to give us a call. Uh, We're still, um, and and I'm just uh, sort of operating in a vacuum here now because I haven't checked in with the newsroom in recent uh, minutes, but uh, just wondering if we've heard anything from NL schools to see uh, what, if anything, they've been able to provide us in terms of an update. Uh, So I'll uh, put the call out 
out to uh, Brian Callahan and Richard Duggan, who are in the newsroom uh, with Noah Shepard, to see if uh, any one of them has heard uh, back from the uh, school department, uh, education department, I should say, as of uh, right now to see what the update is. Uh, and we do have other people who are calling in to um, uh, provide us with some information as well. We're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we hope to speak with you. This is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we are back on VOCM News Talk. And uh, again, uh, very poor conditions out there as we speak. You've got your headphones on. Oh, but not for just because I'm listening to you, not because I have an update. Oh, <laughs> just because you're your usual yeah. professional self, Claudette. So sorry about that. Didn't That's mean okay. to. Uh, no, sometimes uh, you put on your headphones and, and then, like, you're like, I'm ready. Yeah, Let's go. And normally, yeah, I, I do give off that vibe. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to make a couple of things happen behind the scenes. It's your professional <laughs> intensity. And I appreciate it. Well, um, on other matters, because we, we, there were uh, some other things that happened uh, in the province today. And this one's uh, very interesting because we've been talking a lot lately about housing and uh, particularly as it relates to um, affordable housing. Well, Memorial University, the College of the North Atlantic, Keen College and Academy Canada par- are partnering with sh- Spaces Shared to bring... Um, companies home sharing uh, bring the company's home sharing program to Newfoundland and Labrador the program sees students who need an affordable place to stay paired with seniors who are experiencing loneliness and who might have rooms to rent the platform matches seniors with rooms to rent with students looking for a place to live reporters including VOCM's Noah Shepard spoke with Katharina Kennedy interim CEO of uh, Canada Mortgage and Housing about the benefits of the program as well as Munn Provost and Vice President Academic Pro Tempo Jennifer Lokesh. But it's interesting to, to tell you that the World Health Organization is considering identifying loneliness in seniors as a mental health disease. We only have to look at ourselves. If we go back to when we had to stay home during COVID, some of us had to stay home for a month, six weeks. That was very, very challenging. That isolation, lack of socialization was very challenging. Imagine doing it every day. And especially in the winter, you can, people can hardly get to the grocery store. This works so well because it serves so many purposes. First and foremost, it provides seniors um, an income from rent. It allows to ha- for them to have somebody in their home that can support them. It could be shoveling the driveway. You could have somebody to sit down and have a meal within the evening, someone to play Scrabble with, someone to go to the store for them or to go with them. So there's that sense of purpose again. Um, and then we look at it at the other side um, of a safe, affordable place for students. And we know we are in a housing crisis all across Canada. It's not just Newfoundland and Labrador. So it solves those two, pro- two problems. But I think more than that, it's the relationship building that is so important. And I, I want to tell you a story. My grandmother, when she was in her late 70s, early 80s, I think I'm one of like 40 cousins. And she lived very close to Memorial University. And when my cousins, if there was a snowstorm or if they had an early class, they would typically stay with her for the night. Not every night, but she would have a coming and going of grandchildren throughout the year. 
And she told me once that what she loved about it was she loved having noise in the house again. She loved having somebody to spend time with and talk to. And that is just, you can extrapolate that into what it means for somebody who will have this wonderful relationship with a student, the student will learn from the senior, um, and they'll all have a safe coexistence supported by this wonderful organization that's launching here today. I am Jennifer Lokash. I am the Provost and Vice President Academic Pro Tempore. So I think this is an incredibly powerful initiative that is really going to help our um, crisis uh, that we are experiencing. We certainly saw throughout the province and our students at Memorial University really struggling with housing options in the fall. Um, we're very excited to add another tool, as some folks have said, to, to the toolbox um, to uh, in, ensure that our students have safe, um, affordable options. I mean, obviously, adding uh, that layer of stress about where one is going to live is not ideal. It's not the ideal way to begin one's academic journey. So we're really hoping that uh, when we bring students here, that you know that is um, a subject that will be a kind of easy, easy path for them, so that they can really focus on their studies. So I think it is mostly international students, um, and we have families, which is a particular type of challenge that we are we are turning our attention to as well. We've had some conversations about this because there seems to be you know examples in uh, in history where elders have or, or you know older citizens have brought in students to their homes but no nothing in a in a formalized way so um, this space is shared seems like a, an incredibly well organized uh, group uh, and uh, we have real confidence that this is going to be a good thing for not only our students but also our aging population you know the the, the opportunity for culture cultural exchange there is um, a good one as well we've agreed to um, make this platform available to our students so that they can um, avail themselves of it. So, you know, um, I guess on the other end of things, they have seniors who will register with the organization uh, to say that they have available housing for students, and then it's kind of like a matching system, so we, we signed on to that uh, initiative. Will it be on students to sign up, or will it be something done through the university? Uh, I think individual students will seek seek out the opportunity. Yeah, but we will certainly promote it. And um, Space is Shared has lots of excellent promotional materials. So you know we'll be advertising the, this new partnership. So that is uh, VOCM's Noah Shepard speaking with Katharina Kennedy, the interim CEO of Canada Mortgage and Housing, and uh, Mun Provost and Vice President Academic Pro Tempore, uh, Jennifer Lokash, on this uh, Spaces Shared program, uh, whereby students will be uh, hooked up with seniors who have space in their homes and are looking for a little bit of company. So it sounds like a win-win. Um, if you have any thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call. Well, it's basketball season in Metro. Newfoundland Rogues preparing to take to the court tomorrow at the Mary Brown Center in their season opener against the Jamestown Jackals. The team announced its roster at an event earlier today at the Kenmount Terrace Community Center. Here is Rogues owner Tony Kenny speaking with VOCM's Richard Duggan. Okay, just want to thank uh, the media for coming out today as we uh, officially announce our team that's going to be playing. Uh, starting on Friday night down at the Mary Brown Centre. 
Tomorrow, as I mentioned, we will start our third season playing professional basketball. This year we have two logos, two slogans. One is Go Rogue, and the other is Join the Hunt. So we invite everybody to come with us as we join the hunt for our first professional basketball championship for the province. We're proud to be the only professional basketball team in the province, as well as 100% locally owned and operated. You know, it takes a lot of people to put five guys on a basketball court. Most of the people that work with the Rogues are volunteers, and we really appreciate their support. Without them, the Rogues could never operate. As I mentioned, our season kicks off on Friday, and we'll be hosting the Jamestown Jackals for a two-game series. We'll play 25 games at home, which will see nine teams visiting the province. We'll also play 12 games on the road, which will give us 37 regular season games. Last year, our season ended after a run at the playoffs in the third round. And after that, it ended in the middle of January, sorry, the middle of June. We took two weeks off, and we were back at it searching for success for next year. Coach Williams is back with us again for the third year. I never met a harder working coach. If, the, if he's out there, I haven't found him. Um, so we, we have three players returning from last year and new players. One of our members of our staff did a calculation. The average height has increased by seven inches from last year. So we shouldn't be pushed around. According to the coach, we ain't going to be pushed around by nobody. Average height increased by seven inches. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, I was at um, uh, Paradise. It's one of the schools in Paradise uh, for uh, an event within the last year or two. And uh, I had to register at the front desk. And it was sort of a, you know, they got local personalities, so to speak. So there's lots of people there from various media and that. And uh, one of the tallest people I've ever met in my life. And, uh, you know, I looked over to my side. I was looking at somebody's hip. And then, you <laughs> You know that old adage, look up, look way up. And I looked at him, I said, are you a rogue? Uh, and he said, uh, yes, I am. So, yeah, wow. Seven inches taller than their average height before. So uh, if the fella I was talking to was the average previous height, these guys are giants. You need ladders <laughs> just to go up to have a conversation. Hello. Meet them eye to eye on the roof top somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very tall. All legs, of course, because that's what give you, give, gives you, and the arms, of course, that's what gives you those advantages when you're playing Shag a game our like... jeans, Linda. <laughs> Our little shorty short legs and <laughs> short arms, short arms, and 
<laughs> all that good stuff. Well, have you been following what's going on over at, at Buckingham Palace? Oh, yes, I yeah. have. I'm wondering. Mm, a if, lot of people are wondering. Yeah, and I, I, I understand. So uh, Kate Middleton had a, an abdominal procedure, a planned one. So yeah. she's in hospital. And two months? Is, or, or sorry, two. Couple of weeks? Two weeks recovery in hospital? Yeah, and I was. It's intense. So, you know, it seemed that she was a little more private in to letting people know what was on the go with her. Yet Prince Charles having uh, a surgery as well for an enlarged prostate. He was just, you know, forthcoming with all the information. I believe that everybody has a right to privacy, but in my head, I'm just wondering, you know, was that something that... What was the reason behind her not wanting to share? Could it be because it was an elective cosmetic surgery and she didn't want to go down that rabbit hole of people wondering why she would want that? It's interesting. It could be any number of things, you know, um, uh, and the kind of recovery that she's facing ahead of her, it it appears to be a fairly significant surgery. So she's going to be available for public uh, duties in Easter, roughly, I think. So, uh, you know... yeah. It's doubtful it's appendicitis, if you know what I'm saying. Because right. the recovery from that is depending on who you are and, yep. you know, all that kind of thing. You know, it's generally speaking, best case scenario, not anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, you know, I know people who've had gallbladder surgery who were in and out in no time and uh, their recovery was, you know, a couple of weeks yeah. total, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can only speculate, but it, it appears that it's a little more significant, although they are saying that it's not cancer related. So, Well, that's good news. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, good news indeed. But I guess, uh, you know, they have to, and especially in this day and age when everybody's speculating out loud and uh, social media and that saying, you know, you know, the, the royals are heavily involved in public um, appearances and those sort of mm-hmm. things, and their absence will be noted. So that will just uh, created more, uh, I guess, speculation. Speculation. So. so sometimes it's better to get some, some people like getting the story out ahead to create, you know, to control the narrative before, because eventually down the road it will come out what it was yeah. for what it is. And, then and people some people come. naturally are more private about their mm-hmm. uh, health issues. Which Other is people will tell it all. They don't care. Exactly. I'll tell you what's going on. i got no <laughs> issues about it. You know what I mean? And there's others who, oh, we got something happening. Yeah, uh, you're news. being handed some paper Update by Noah Shepard. of no by Noah Shepard. Ah, handshakes. Memo, uh, memo from uh, NL, Hockey NL. This past December, Minor Hockey Council of uh, Newfoundland implemented a change in the timing of handshakes and the size of respect to the pregame times to coincide with that of coaches and officials. Since this change, there have been considerable conversation generated. I bet there has been. Some of the communication has been destructive, generating good discussion and debate about the issue and of the challenge with post-game altercations. Minor Council has been monitoring and evaluating uh, positive and negative impacts of the change of practice since its inception, gathering uh, all information. uh, Based on the information gathered thus far, uh, conversations with stakeholders and members, Minor Council will allow the return of post-game handshakes. Yay! Post-game handshakes. Yeah! That's great news. I'm a hockey mom, and I gotta be honest with you. It meant, to my mind, it meant a lot to have that post-game, to say great game, we fought it out, we had a tough time, you got on my nerves, I got on your nerves, let's let bygones be bygones. Great game. Yeah, I think people still did that anyway, despite the new rules. A lot of people were. Yeah. A lot of people were. This is, uh, wow, big news. Yeah. 
A lot of people are going to be happy about that. We had calls, too, come into the control room, just could not believe the decision to get rid of them, right? Uh, You know, it has a lot to do with uh, respect in sport, and it has a lot to do with, uh, and you know what? If there are incidents like the one that precipitated this kind of, and that was a tough decision for NL uh, Hockey NL to make. I understand that. But it, and from what I hear, it was a serious incident. Uh, So, but... Will a post-game handshake prevent those kinds of unfortunate and uh, just plain wrong incidents from taking place? Well, that was the question a lot of parents were asking. So, good news. The handshake's back. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll end our, on that note. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks. Uh, bye-bye for now. <laughs>